755 is Real is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know World Series ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Checking out is a breeze on the GameTime app. Once you've pinpointed seats you want, simply click the listing and check out. It's that simple. Use the Game Time two-step checkout next time you're looking for great deals on tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Hey, welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with my regular guest host, or not my guest host, my host, my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty. I'm Seattle. Go. What's up, Eric? Sorry, what's up, Dave? That. Not much, man. We do have. A, I was tongue-tied because we have a special guest today. Another one. Uh, this one from outside the realm of the Braves because it's quite appropriate, I think. Um, Brittany Giroli, she's been uh, she's had a hell of a year as the first season in her first season as the Athletics Washington Nationals beat writer after nine season seasons covering the Orioles for MLB.com. Quite a uh, quite a change in in uh, October happenings with those two teams, huh, Britt? Yeah, it's a uh, it's been interesting. Uh, it's been very very interesting. Uh, reminds me of my first year in uh, in Tampa Bay in '08, where the Rays kind of came out of nowhere and went to the World Series. Uh, this has been similar, uh, obviously in some ways different, but no BJ Upton this time around though. Tampa Bay, <laughs> yes, I no BJ Upton. No- <laughs> Uh, but anyway, welcome welcome aboard. I just wanted to talk to you a few a few things. Obviously, uh, our audience and. Your audience have uh, connected a lot, and <laughs> to, to use a uh, euphemism for their interactions. But the Washington Post, I thought, had a great headline Monday. It was home wreckers, um, and that's been kind of an overriding and surprising theme, I think, in this World Series. The Nationals swept for the first two games down in Houston, and then the Astros turned the tables and then some by sweeping all three in D.C. Britt, were you surprised at all that the Astros came in and won three straight at Nationals Park? I mean, I know that the atmosphere there was tremendous, and uh, especially after the, the Nats go down there and beat Cole and Verlander in Houston. Very surprised. And actually, Dave, this has never happened uh, in the history of the playoffs where all five, the first five games were were won by road teams. Uh-huh. So I, I think if you're the Nationals, you can look at this two ways, right? You can look at it as like, oh, shit, we lost all three games. Now we're down. Yeah. Or you can look at it as, hey, we just won two games in Houston. That's all we have to do again. Um, certainly a tall task. But, you know, they have had 22 of 66 teams that have been down three to two like the Nationals have, have come back and won the World Series. So 41 uh-huh. of those 66 teams have forced a game seven. So, um, only seven teams have pulled this off on the road, but we've already mentioned yeah. how weird this series has been. So yeah. um, they definitely feel like they still have a chance. But, you know, it's kind of sad. The city of D.C., you know, the first time in, yeah. in more than 80 years gets yeah. to host a game. The city's excited. Everyone's behind them. You would think they would at least get one. Uh, you yeah. know, it's tough hmm. to lose three at home, but, you know, it is what it is. Eric, what have you thought? I mean, is there any explanation for that, or is it just one of those things? Baseball, ba- baseball, you just is so unpredictable that, that for the road team baseball. to go in two two cauldrons, man. Those been, both been great atmospheres too, loud as hell. Um, I don't know what surprised me more: the Nats, probably the Nats going down to Houston and beating those two guys. That surprised me even more. But I thought the Nats would at least win one of the three games in uh, in DC. Uh, you couldn't even fathom it. I mean, especially if you're the Nationals heading home. Um, yeah, I'm sure the crowds were crazy, and you feel so good about your position after taking both games in Houston. Um, it, that, but that's just a baseball thing, man. And and honestly, you know, Houston's a really good team. So you you know you never count them out. But 
man, I just I couldn't believe losing all three at home. It's it's like she said, you know, it's you would expect to um you'd expect to at least win one. And with the fans like that, I mean, it, I felt kind of bad for those fans. They didn't get to even have really anything to celebrate for three straight days. But yeah, um, really surprising. And you know, if if you're the Nationals now, it's almost like let's get back to Houston. Yeah. Well, I I don't you know I I felt bad for the Nats fans. You said, but man, it it. Was it any worse than how the Braves fans felt in Game Five when they literally no. a lot of them had not even found their seats yet, uh, and their team's oh. down ten nothing in the first inning? So at least no. uh, it wasn't a humiliating thing with the Nationals. I mean, uh, a couple of the games were did got out of hand, but I mean they they still played competitive baseball and was not you know they didn't embarrass themselves or anything. The Nats, uh, the Astros are just a really damn good team, man. They are. Uh, and their lineup finally awakened. It was almost like yeah. you felt you felt bad if you're the Nats. You almost had to dread. You knew it was coming because that yeah. offense is not going to stay down uh, too long. And they and they were down for part of the ALCS and the early part of the World Series. And you know people f- kind of f- tend to forget. And you start to think the Astros are just built on the backs of those uh, two starting pitchers, and it's that's far from the case because they got right. a hell of a lineup. Right, Brent. What uh, what is the word on Max Scherzer after he was scratched for his game five start trapezius muscle spasms? Um, he gets an injection to relieve that painful condition. And do you think there's a real good chance he could go in game seven, or, or even I, I, I'm I'm guessing he's not even available for six, right? But you never know with Scherzer. Yeah, you never know with Scherzer. I, I will tell you one thing though, Dave. For him to not make that start, um, yeah, he could barely move. He could barely turn his head. Yeah. Um, He's one of the toughest players I've ever been around, not just pitchers, just players in general. So I think he's going right. to do everything in his power to be ready for a potential Game 7. I don't think, right. as you said, I don't think he'd be available today. I think also you've got Strasburg on the mound. You don't want to use Scherzer. You need yeah. to play for yeah. the event that, hey, we're going to win today with our guy, and then we're going to try yeah. to see what we can squeeze out of Scherzer if you force a Game 7. That's probably the best scenario for them is to have yeah. Scherzer yeah. be there Opener, I mean, look, he's not going to all of a sudden go out and go seven, eight innings tomorrow night if they force a right. game seven. But they will have Patrick Corbin, Annabelle Sanchez, their other two starters available, as well as Sean Doolittle, yeah. Daniel Hudson, the only two relievers they trust. So there is a blueprint yeah. here for how they can do this. Obviously, Scherzer is huge. If he can't go tomorrow night um, and they do force a game seven, a lot of ifs in this scenario, obviously, um, they're in big trouble. But it's upsetting. Um, it, it's tough. You kind of feel for the guy. I mean, he's a guy who in February is throwing 70 pitch bullpen sessions. I mean, of yeah. all the guys and all the days yeah. to wake up with this, and this is something he's been managing, um, for have to, for him to miss game five of the world series, um, you know, the, yeah. the human aspect of things, you, you do feel, feel bad for him. He's such a competitor. Baseball is better with guys like Max Scherzer pitching. Eric, you know who he reminds me of so much? Not not necessarily. Assures is a little more outwardly emotional, uh, but he reminds me in every other way of John Smoltz. I mean, yeah. the two guys, the two, uh, like she said, uh, Scherzer is one of the toughest guys. He's, Smoltz is the toughest guy I've ever been around as far as a, an athlete willing and able to pitch through pain and discomfort and never, uh, you know, never let it stop him. Those two remind me, and the guy that wanted it on his shoulders in the biggest games and want, did not want to come out of the game, wants the ball in the biggest games, they're so similar. I mean, and beyond that, obviously, Scherzer's headed to the Hall of Fame, just like where Smoltz is, he made it on the first ballot. But uh, it reminds me of of Smoltz uh, um, in the division series when the Braves lost that epic game in Houston and they were eliminated. Smoltz was pitching with a shoulder that he had to have surgery right after the uh right after the series was over he had surgery but he had he was pitching through so much pain and dis- and damage in there that I was told there was discoloration in the shoulder like it was purplish it was turning colors and he was going to fight and 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 ask and demand that he be able to pitch in the NLCS even though he had surgery right after it was over I don't think people realize just how tough the guy was and Scherzer reminds me of him. Does he? Does, can you see that comparison? Yeah, Eric? Ab- absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, that's you knew as soon as he wasn't going to pitch that it was, it wasn't some you know, mediocre, you know, just slight injury. You knew if if this guy's not taking the mound, it's 
it's something pretty brutal he's going through. And, and I saw nerve irritation, you know, that that's telling me it's with his spine. And, and I saw the way he tried to sit down um, yeah. in that press conference. And I've been there, you know, um, any type of spasms with a, a nerve in your, in your spine, it's just, it's non-negotiable. It's not, yeah. a, you can't make a decision, you know, they call right. it back spasms, but it's more like just a right. total spinal lockdown. You right. know, think of like those huge metal doors that slam down from the ceiling and close off a tunnel in a nuclear facility in like an action movie. <laughs> That's like what your body does when it's time yeah. to protect its its spine. Um, you know, I, I, after seeing the way he sat down, I knew exactly where he's at. And it's your body just won't allow you to move. You know, you you send this signal and it just gets, you know, return to sender, man. It's your brain just it's you know, if you see people bend over when your low back's out or, or reach yeah. and turn and grab something yeah. and you've got an irritation yeah. nerve in your neck, um yeah. nothing happens. You're just kinda stuck. And if you don't listen, yeah. um it'll just send a more intense nerve pain back to your brain to, to get the point across until you kinda just give up and, and stop moving and stop testing it. You know, an irritated nerve just it's it will not function. Um so, you know, it's funny because a lot of injuries you don't feel once adrenaline starts pumping, like, yeah. you know, you could sprain your ankle or, or have a sore elbow or something like that. I stepped on a baseball running full speed in Milwaukee one year and, and rolled my ankle. It was purple from mid shin um, all the way down to mid foot. I could barely walk, but I didn't miss a game because I could just make a decision that I was going to pitch. And that seems like that's who Scherzer is, that he's just yeah. going to make that decision. But with the neck, man, yeah. it's, it's just non-negotiable. It's not moving. Um so, I mean, I feel for him. I mean, I, you know, people think that, oh, my back goes out or my right, neck hurts right, and I still right. go to work. Well, okay, yeah, but you're not violently rotating yeah. um, and, and testing that spine's full range of motion. You know, it's it's easy to walk to work. A hundred times in a game. Right. You know, so what they're asking of it, um, and you saw the way he was moving, it's, I, I'd be shocked if he can pitch tomorrow. And even if that cortisone shot kicks in, um, you know the thing is though is that once once the the inflammation's gone and and your spine feels safe, all of a sudden you can just move again. Yeah. And so he could he could if that shot kicks in and it works he could be able to pitch, but he's not going to have thrown a ball the last few days. You know he's not going to have been able to do anything. So um, I think the expectations have to be extremely low of you know even getting a couple innings out of him. Yeah. Fortunately, like she said, for the fortunately for the Nats, they have. They have four yeah, they have or five arms plan. behind them, you know. I mean, yeah. and, and, and those are and those are solid arms too. It's not like you're. I just I think it's bad for baseball that he's not able oh, yeah. to pitch. You know, like everybody wanted. Everybody to see wanted that. to see that five, those five game five and six matchups that were that yeah. were on deck. Yeah, that happened. Just a bummer. Um, Britt, have you had a chance to kind of catch your breath uh, amid all this frenzy and traveling and covering games? Uh, just to think about how far the Nationals came since their rough start this year. When everybody was wondering about, and even late in the season, people there were at least outside the organization were still wondering about Davey Mar- Davey's job. I mean, um, how they got through the Dodgers and Cardinals, uh, who had beaten the Braves, to get where they are now. Uh, what has it been like covering a team that's uh, you know that's that's come so far in in a few months? The Dodgers series unbelievable, but even before that, people forget yeah. they were down three to one in the eighth inning of the wild card game with Josh Hader on the mound. Yeah, yeah. So, that's so right. many I times, about that. and I wrote yeah. a whole. <laughs> I mean, I wrote a whole story about how like I didn't believe in this team, and I didn't believe in the wild them winning the wild card game. I didn't believe they were going to beat the Dodgers in Game Five. Yeah. They were down three to nothing, and here comes Clayton Kershaw. So um, they have just continued to defy. First off, they've gotten really lucky. Some of the moves made by the Dodgers and Josh Hader was yeah. terrible that day. There's been a good mix of yeah. they've gotten really lucky and they've stepped up to those opportunities. And I think that's how they were able to make this work. And as for the Cardinals, I mean, I watched that series against the Braves and it looked like that was really the Cardinals World Series because they had nothing yeah. left by the time Agreed. they got to the NLCS. I mean, the Agreed. Nationals are a good team, sure, but the way they steamrolled that Cardinals lineup, it would have been a totally different NLCS had Atlanta advanced, had they moved on. And it certainly looked to me, and you certainly got the sense around the Cardinals that, you know, that that Fultonevich was tipping his pitches, that they had some stuff on him for the way that they went out and and, and kind of buried him early and really ended the whole series. But I think if it was Atlanta, D.C., you would have been looking at probably like an epic seven-game NLCS, a a real great fight. I I think so, Um, too. And instead, you kind of got the Cardinals who couldn't hit all year. It wasn't an anomaly 
um, they couldn't hit all year. And so it was really no surprise to me that the Nationals, after they won those first two, just completely obliterated them because I think they were just a team that was happy to be there more than anything. Yeah. And they had kind of played over their heads <laughs> um, to some extent. So uh, this season hasn't really sunk in. If you look at the Nationals roster, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, right? The surprising right. thing is how bad they were right. in April yeah, and well, yeah. May. Um, yeah. they're, they're by no means yeah. this underdog plucky team. That's like, you know, having a bunch of guys playing over their head. No, they're playing to their level. They've got a really yeah. good rotation. Um, they've got a really yeah. good lineup. Um, but they started so badly that things could have very quickly gone South. And I think that's what Davey Martinez deserves the most credit for is not kind of letting things go bad, not losing the clubhouse, not looking over his shoulder and just concerned yeah. about how he looked. He was very, yeah. very upfront, very positive, never Pinch day to day, and I think that's something that he really should be credited for. Man, have it, his heart surgeon must be look, watching the series, going, "Jesus Christ, dude, just make it through these next couple of days." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this guy had a stent put in a month ago, six weeks ago, whenever it was. Yes, yeah, you see him um, kind of sitting a lot more um, <laughs> because they've told him like you need to relax during the games. He hasn't had caffeine, which is start, which is crushing him, right? You can't, yeah. can't oh. caffeine detox in the playoffs. Wow. I can't even imagine that myself. As I, <laughs> I know, as I, as I, as I, as I, I got a coffee in one hand. <laughs> yeah, as I drink my eighth <laughs> cup here. Um, exactly. Now that's a that's a great point you made about the Cardinals. I think they spent so much emotion in that Brave series. The whole stuff with Acuna and 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 uh, with Yachty playing and showing emotions like I've never seen him show, and then with Shield afterwards, that whole display that was caught on uh, Instagram by one of his players, they just God, they they treated it like it was the World Series, and credit to them. I mean, they won a series that you know the Braves should have won. They took it. They yeah, they, but they took advantage of the Braves' mistakes. But yeah, I thought. They had they showed way there's so much emotion after that series that you know before they even knew it they were getting steamrolled by the Nats so well how much uh, you know the Nats had never won a postseason uh, round they they win not just a wild card game but two playoff series to make it to the world effing series has it been fun covering this team it has um, it's been fun it's been stressful it's been crazy it's um... You know how it goes in the playoffs. But, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's something that I'm trying to remind myself, like, hey, this may never happen again in your right. lifetime, yeah. the things that you're seeing, you know? Yeah. I think um, it's easy in the day-to-day grind to kind of lose sight of that and be like, oh, God, a four-hour game. And yeah, um, exactly. you guys know how it goes. Oh, God, like, I'm in L.A. now until 2 yeah. or 3 in the morning. Now I got to schlep to St. Louis. Um, it's easy to kind of get caught in the grind. But I've really tried my best to kind of sit back and say, like, hey, this may not ever happen. Yeah, you're not getting hey, the playoff like share either. Again, the things <laughs> exactly uh, airline points, but uh, no, it is it is cool to sit back and watch and um, try to remember that this is special and you know this is the World Series, as Dave said, and in you know win or lose, I don't know how the Nationals, um, their whole fan base, the organization can't be proud of what this team has accomplished. Yeah, it's funny you said to appreciate it because, believe me, I feel like Dan Marino when it comes to the World Series. Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl. I think it's his rookie year. I thought, you know, I'll go back plenty of times. We'll win it. They didn't win it that year. We'll go back. We'll win it. They never went back. Well, I covered my third year at covering baseball. I covered the Marlins winning the World Series in 97. Jeez. Well, I there thought ah, that that's cool. That that that's great. My third season doing this is pretty fun. I've <laughs> never been back, man. <laughs> so it's you like you just never in. know what's going to happen. And and uh but yeah, I think Brett, Brett, maybe it's you. Look at that. With Tampa Bay and now with the Nats. So um <laughs> what can this kind of success mean be either for Brett and for Eric? What kind of this success that the Nats have had this year? Um, they always knew they had a lot of talent and all that, but now when they've got this postseason monkey off their backs and they've kind of silenced the skeptics when that's, as far as that's concerned, skeptics like myself, um, what can this do for the, the, for the culture and for the momentum going into next season now that they've won on this big stage? 
I think it's kind of given them an identity. Uh, you know, I mentioned covering Baltimore for a while and Tampa Bay and Yankees. So I've been around some bigger teams and, and kind of the interesting thing in DC is it's known as a like big media market, except I was a yeah. little surprised. I thought that the, you know, the fan base isn't super rabid. Uh, you know, I think right. people were kind of like, Oh, the Nats are always going to blow it. That was kind of the mindset I felt like as an outsider. So, I mean, it just seemed like to me that this was a fan base that was kind of waiting to maybe embrace a team that finally got over the hump. You know, this is the fourth sports city. So if you're not good, They've got plenty of other yeah. things to to focus on. I mean, you've got you know four four majors. You've also got um, the Washington Mystics who won it all this year. Yeah. You've got a lot of colleges here, um, and then you've got the government. So there, there's a lot going on in the city, and I feel yeah. like this kind of run is creating Nationals fans. It's strengthening those those families. The team's only been here for 15 years, so now you're kind of you know you have a whole generation of Nationals fans who will remember this year, who went to games with their their dad or yeah. their mom or you know a, a big group of people and are and are starting to fall in love with this team. And that's what you need, I think, yeah. to develop that rabid fan base. And I know when the Nationals went to play the Mets in late September, a lot of the players were were kind of taken back by the playoff atmosphere and how much. The Mets rallied around a team that wasn't going to the postseason, you know, but maybe had a chance. And I think they felt like, you know, in D.C., they weren't as into it. And, you know, credit the Nationals fans. They've really, they really came out strong during this entire postseason. And I just think that this helps the organization, this helps the city, this helps the fan base kind of move forward and yeah. realize that, you know, this can be a baseball city, similar to the Capitals a few years ago. You know, there were uh -huh. some Capitals fans. There's a lot more Capitals fans now yeah. after they won the Stanley Cup, you know? And, and yeah. so I think this is going to be that springboard for them. There's always such a huge uh, spike in attendance the year after you win a World Series, too. I, I think that place is going to be a lot closer to packed for a lot more games next year. Uh, most importantly, have the have they adjusted the metro scale, uh, the metro schedule, of the trains running late for these games? Yeah, so it was pretty cool. The metro announced that they would stay open for all the Nats home playoff games. Yeah, um, which was pretty cool to see because obviously, you know, it's an expensive city. It's expensive to get yeah. downtown, and you know, having that available to a lot of people was a game changer. Yeah, I saw Jeff Passan posted a picture the other day. Somebody was charging for parking, I guess, relatively close to the ballpark, a hundred bucks, which is like Boston prices, you know, Red Sox prices. Which yeah. Red, Red Sox they they charge that for regular season games against the Yankees, but <laughs> yeah, there's no, not yeah. a whole lot of parking around Nats Park. No, no, and I mean, I the Navy Yard is really. I remember going there, you know, five, six, seven years ago, and there was nothing yeah. there. But as nothing. you know, we talked about this, uh, Dave, when you were there. I mean, the whole area. Is so expensive and built up now that yeah, yeah. Then now that it's the World Series, you're not parking cheaply at all. So yeah. for people to be able to take the metro, I think um, probably helped out quite quite significantly than having to, to yeah. worry about parking and the traffic and, and all that mess that kind of goes along with having a World Series in downtown DC. It's a little different than uh, my first years covering uh, the Nats when they were at RFK after they moved from Montreal. <laughs> yeah. A little different. Yeah. Um, Eric, what's what's impressed you most about this Nationals team in the postseason? What are they doing a little differently maybe than they did against the Braves when the Braves won 11 of those last 16 games against them during the season? Uh, it's just the – well, the two starting pitch the, – the starting pitching up front, you know, Strasburg and Scherzer, is, that's – we talked about a lot of um, just how scary they were if they could just find a way to get in and win that wild card game. And, and here they are. You know, you knew with those two guys at the front that – um, there was a really good shot they were going to do something and, and be really tough to deal with in, in a five-game series, but definitely a seven. And then Soto, um, I think it's cool that everybody's getting a look at how just ridiculously talented Soto is. I mean, these opposite field homers he hits, the way yeah. he just waits and, and, and drags his barrel through the zone and he has this power the other way. Um, you just Like he hit a ball up in Houston on top of the train tracks. You just don't see that. Um, First left-hander to do that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know – Obviously, Rendon, too. Um, I think his personality is the only reason he's not just a mega superstar because the guy just doesn't care. <laughs> you know, it's not, not in a bad way, but yeah. he just doesn't care right. to be noticed or he doesn't want any kind of hype or heat around him. He just wants like to play Freddy. baseball. Yeah, he's, he's real similar to Freddie in that way. But um, it's going to be interesting. I think they got to bring him back, um, and I hope they do just 
you know, just, just for the com- competitive aspect of it. But also I like when guys spend their whole career with a team. Um, but watching these guys, man, I mean, it's, it makes perfect sense. I think the only thing that, that they struggled with was the bullpen. Um, yeah. Um, that was really a, a major weakness. They went out and got Daniel Hudson, who's been awesome for them. Uh, it, they're really well, uh, rounded team and it's going to be interesting, uh, next year to see how this, the NL East plays out. Cause I think this is going to give them a ton of confidence and, and make them feel like, you know, you know, they need to go back to the World Series, not just win the division. So it'll be competitive next year for sure. I think uh, Braves fans won't like this, but I've, I've almost felt I felt good for uh, Steve Stras, Steven Strasburg. Me too. Because for, like, it's been a, he's been around for quite a few years and developed kind of a reputation. The decision that Boris and the team made to keep him out of the postseason. Yep. And then so many games against the Braves earlier in his career when he left with this or that ailment or heat exhaustion or whatever. So he had this reputation as being this big, strong, power-pitching guy that just didn't have that that it factor, that toughness we were talking about that Scherzer and Smoltz and guys like that have. Um, and I think from, at least from my perspective, watching him from afar, you start, you just didn't never think this guy was going to, to realize the potential that he had when everybody talked about him coming out of college. And now he is finally enjoying his moment and pitching every bit as well as we thought he might someday. And I'd given up on him and I, and from all, interviews i i've n- i never d- done a story about the on the guy but from every interview i've seen with him he comes across as kind of a a soft-spoken kind of guy but he seems like a good guy he just doesn't say a whole lot Britt, what what's been the feeling covering him and have you had a the similar sense to that uh you know kind of feeling good for the guy to, to finally be able to break through and and realize his potential fully yeah, I think he's become the guy this year, honestly, because yeah. we talked about Scherzer. He, he was hurt for a whole lot of the season, which is really unusual for Max Scherzer. So yeah. coming into the beat, I had heard some things about Strasburg not being super media friendly, you know, right. um, things like that. It's no secret that he's not super outspoken. But yeah. I think what I've learned about him is that, one, he's he's very, very intense and very competitive. And people miss that because he's not – is outspoken and he's not right. Scherzer on the mound. He's not right. you know, thumping his glove or yelling. Um, yeah. But, you know, he is a scary guy. And I've talked to opposing hitters who are like, I'd rather face Max Scherzer than Steven Strasburg yeah. at this juncture um, just based on what he has. And you look at his postseason numbers and it, they're unbelievable. I mean, he's the guy they want yeah. on the mound tonight. He's the yeah. guy who saved their season in Dodger Stadium. So yeah, he's been unbelievable. Um, to me, yeah, to me, watching him kind of mature into going from the shutdown and having that that kind of reputation for being a, a little, I, w- I don't want to say soft, but maybe flaky. You know, there was always an right. injury. There was always going right. to be, you know, something with him. It was going to be five plus innings and 100 pitches. And that was right. just who he was. Um, and I, you haven't seen any of that this year. He's really no. been that guy. And I think there's no question that he's going to try to get more money. He has an opt out in that contract. Um, he could very well stay in D.C., uh, but I think based on what he's done and the durability that he's shown, he's really grown into that guy who they thought he was going to be. And he was saddled with expectations that, you know, he said earlier this postseason were just ridiculous. And they were. And you yeah. look at it, and, and it, up until this year, the guy really had no, no, no chance at, you thought, being anything but a disappointment based on what he right. was supposed to be. But now he's becoming that guy, and now you're like, wait a second. Yeah, he is. You know, he's a big, yeah. huge, strong, menacing guy who yeah. I think still has the best years of his career in front of him. Um, and to watch him this year up close and to watch him work, I guess I have a new appreciation for him. Um, you know, I only saw him maybe once a year in the years leading up to this year. And I yeah. think what he's been able to do, and I think he's a better teammate and a better pitcher and, and really a, a stronger guy than people give him credit for he is no no weak-minded guy he he is tough he's intense he's just as competitive as Max Scherzer just in a different way yeah he just doesn't show it outwardly on the mound doesn't stalk the mound like Scherzer Um, exactly if you listen to our podcast you know it always comes back to Chipper Jones it seems like because he just knows everything but Chipper said early I'll never forget this when Strasburg first came up and this was before you know, he would have huge games, but he didn't have huge seasons. He was always getting hurt, that kind of thing. But Chipper said back then, this guy's got the nastiest stuff in the league. And Chipper stood by that even when when the Braves would hit him. He would still say, I don't know how people are hitting him because he's got the nastiest stuff in the league. 
And now you're seeing what Chipper talked about. I mean, Chipper knows what he's talking about. So, um, you know, I would always keep that in the back of my mind when I'd watch Strasburg and you see him have like a 12, 14 strikeout game or whatever. And you think, yeah, that's what Chipper was talking about, but he just can't put it all together. And it seems like he's put it all together now. It's funny that opt out. I thought that was laughable going into the season. And we actually laughed about that. We looked at this opt-out that Strasburg has. And I told uh, one of the other writers, they go, yeah, like he's going to he's gonna opt out of that contract. But now it's not laughable. It's like, okay, now he's like would be the best, second best available pitcher behind Cole. I can see where he would opt out. Yeah. And he's got Boris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boris cornering the market again. <laughs> <laughs> But you could see him often out and stand there. Has he? Does he enjoy it there? Uh, is there a good, a good, good vibe between him and the team? Yeah, and he lives there year round. They've moved there, him and yeah. his family. So I do think there's a chance he stays. But certainly, you'd, you'd kind of be an idiot now. And Scott Boris is no idiot right. to not opt out and try to get some more money, um, right. which is exactly what they're going to do. But yeah, you're right. It's something that even this spring, I remember like laughing about it as well and being yeah. like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. But it's it's exactly. <laughs> Um, and credit to Steven Strasburg for, for really turning it around and upping a stock the way that he has. He's He's been just absolutely terrific for them. How about Rendon? Um, Eric alluded to it earlier, with the chances of him staying there. I know he's going to he's gonna break the bank. Him and Garrett Cole are the ones that are going to break the bank. Uh, you know, talking $300 million contracts maybe. What do you think the chances of him returning there are? I know they let Harper walk, and I think that was a wise decision. But I think Rendon, like Eric said, this is a guy that if they're going to spend on a guy, this is the guy to do it. This guy's an absolute stud and has been for a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they want to keep him badly. I think General Manager Mike Rizzo wants to keep him badly. I think obviously with Scott Boris, they're looking at numbers and they're looking at records. And um, it's pretty much mm. a foregone conclusion that he's going to at least test free agency at this point in time, right? But uh, yeah. there's still a chance. Ownership loves him. Uh, the the Lerner family has gone on the record and said that you know they want to keep him. They want to do everything in their in their power, and it's going to come down to that almighty dollar. And you know, Rendon's, yeah. <laughs> as you guys have said, he doesn't really want to be a big deal. He's been a quiet superstar, and he certainly can continue to do that in D.C. So I don't know how much that factors in. I know Texas is where he's from. You know, they got big right. stadium coming. You know, they're a team that seems ready and committed to to spending a lot of money. So. A lot of Nationals fans will be very upset, more so, you can argue, um, than they were losing Bryce Harper. As you mentioned, D.O.B., like, people were kind of split on Harper. He was always a little jarring. There was always that, yeah. um, that, that you know, is he hustling? Is he a team guy? Those kind of things. There are none yeah. of those questions about Anthony right. Rendon. Right, exactly. Um, even if he doesn't hit his defense, um, you know, his, his steadiness, kind of what he brings into that team has been so big. And so I think... For those reasons, it will be much, much more of an outcry, at least in D.C., if they're not able to retain Anthony Rantone. Man, when you're in bed with so many Boris clients, it's uh, these are the times when <laughs> when it gets sticky. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the two players, Rendon and Harper, I mean, as far as just the way they come across to me and just looking at them, you know, 19 times a year, they couldn't be any more different. Now, maybe I don't see everything underlying in the clubhouse and all that. And, you know, Mark DeRosa told me that Harper's actually a good guy, works his ass off, wants to be great. But to me, Rendon is the guy I want as a teammate. He's the guy that's not always about, look at me. He's not. He's the guy that's like, okay, look at my shoes today. Look at my hair today. Rendon just goes out and plays like Freddie Freeman, you know? He's a... Uh, He's a guy you build around, and then you can have – there's so much like, to me, Scherzer – I mean, no, uh, uh, Rendon and Soto is a, is a lot of the dynamics of Freddie Freeman and Acuna, yeah. although Soto's maybe not quite as flamboyant as Acuna. But there's a lot of similarities there. Don't you agree? And that's kind of – that's why for me – I mean, Rendon's there, Freddie Freeman. Um, when you got yeah. a guy like that, and it's not just about, you know, the talent, but the how – tranquil he is you know he's just he's just yeah. chill the guy is he's comfortable yeah. and when your leader when your stud is um he's that calm it just it just it filters down to everybody else everybody else will look look at this guy and how he's playing the level he's playing at and how laid back he is when he does it um it, it rubs yeah. off on your teammates and then soto um you know he's got some flamboyance you know the soto shuffle or whatever oh yeah um, oh yeah he's got plenty yeah but i do think that uh part of it 
is that he, you know, the team hadn't gone to the postseason and 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 won and and done all this that people hadn't seen him yet. But his talent, I think, is every bit right there with Acuna. You know, he might. I don't know if he's as that as athletic in the outfield and right. as good a runner. But his bat, right. man, is just. I mean, it's Oof. just unreal. Um, and the strike zone management, man. It, no, he's just. He's. You see how they're pitching him. You know that they, they. He's. He's really tough to get out. There's not one way to pitch him because he can pull the breaking yeah. ball. He takes a fastball opposite field. Um, I think he's every bit. I think that combo um, is every bit as talented as as Freddie and uh, and Acuna. And I think if if you're running the team, you got to do everything possible to keep those guys in your lineup because that's a big factor of why they are where they are right now. So yeah, I I, I see the similarities, and it's just a man. It'd be tough to to see Rendon walk. I'm sure the Nats are probably uh, looking at those contracts that the Braves gave Acuna and Ozzy Albies in oh, April yeah. and going, "Damn, you're not why getting didn't that." Do the same thing with Soto. You're not yeah. getting that. He's he's going <laughs> to get three hundred mil now. Yeah, yeah, he, he's not taking no uh, hundred million for a decade. Don't tell me he's got Boris too. Soto? Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think so. Britt <laughs> is not a Boris agent? client, right? Soto. Soto is a Boris client. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he's getting oh, 500. No. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, there will be, there will be I no. I think he might have changed, but yeah, I like. I don't think he was originally a Boris client. But, Braves, um. Braves fans are going, yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a blow right there. You're not um, getting him for 100. Quickly, before we move on, let's check in with our NFL analyst, Dave Damashek, and hear about his podcast on The Athletic, Football Fact Check. Hi and hello, Dave Damashek here. Quick question, do you like football? Good, then you're going to like Football Fact Check as we dig in with a free show every Monday open to the entire world and for subscribers only on Wednesday, all the NFL game picks for the coming week. Make sure you check it out. Football Fact Check, including some of our colleagues here at The Athletic and uh, our good cast of fellas here chopping it up, hooey and applesauce, pro football. Let's talk about it football fact check most pundits no. uh picked the nationals to win the division before the 2018 season began and then a lot a majority of them picked the phillies or the nats or both to finish ahead of the braves this season um braves won the division both years and like i said they won 11 of the last 16 against the nats this year after losing the first three but given how things have turned out I think it's a safe bet to assume that many, if not most people, are going to pick the Nats once again to finish ahead of the Braves in 2020. Britt, do you think the what will be the biggest pieces the Nats have to replace in this team? You already alluded to uh, a couple of possibilities. Do you think those guys, I mean, bottom line, do you th- what do you think the biggest things they're going to have to replace before next season? Yeah, I think obviously the Rendon, as we talked about, is, is going to be a huge loss if they can't get him back. Strasburg, if yeah. he opts out, and for some reason it, he doesn't come back as well. Those are some big pieces. And um, and then, you know, looking forward, this is an older team, a veteran team. Right. So do you, do you go for it while this window is here? And the organization doesn't like Noah's closing. They point to Soto and Robles, and maybe yeah. that's true, except Max Scherzer is getting up there in age. And you look at the core of this team, right? And um, it's still an older group. So I think if they're able to retain those guys, they got to focus their efforts on the bullpen. They can't do what they did all year uh, with that bullpen. They were able to kind of win in spite of their bullpen for a while, but they've got to figure out a way to get some better relievers. And I think if they can keep Strasburg and Rendon uh, and kind of find a way to add one or two more arms there's no reason to think that they can't make another run of this, that they can't be a good team again. Um, there isn't a whole bunch of, of cases of guys just having career years out of nowhere. This isn't really a team full of outliers. This is a, a good yeah. roster right. that can be successful if you can keep it together and continue to keep everyone healthy and just supplement a little bit here and there. It's funny because I remember being in, in Washington on uh, trade deadline day after that series finale when the Braves made the move for the three relievers. And there was a feeling of resignation in Washington, like, look at that. Look at the moves they made. What did the Nats do? You know, because the Nats needed to make bullpen moves too and didn't. And now you see how things turned out. And it's like, just a, what, like we said, you just can't predict what's going to happen in baseball. No, no, no. you can't. And I, I've thought about that a lot. It's funny that two of those guys that they got didn't even work out, but... 
it was just enough. Uh, they got yeah. Daniel Hudson, and he ended up being better than they thought he was going to be, and, and that's enough. Yeah. Um, d- speaking of Soto, do you think they've they've talked uh, long-term extension with him, or they'll just go year by year with him? And uh, I, well, I guess with Boris, yeah, that answers the question. Yeah. It's just not his M.O., but um, it seems like just the thought, as much as – as much as Braves fans would probably like to see him go elsewhere, the thought of Soto and and Acuna, what that rivalry could be like over the next, you know, however many years that Soto is there, it's pretty fun to watch to think about because not many teams have two young guys. I mean, that are as dynamic and as as terrific as those two come to up together and face each other year after year after year. It's pretty fun. I mean, I think it's pretty enjoyable to think about how – I mean, they, they could be the two best players yeah. in the league in another couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they had kind of looked at doing something. We're locking him up, and Rizzo kind of – Mike Rizzo kind of insinuated as such earlier this year on the radio. But I think they kind of – the ship has sailed, and the Braves yeah. – credit the Braves for, for getting it done early before these guys got too good and really priced themselves out of those, those team-friendly yeah. deals. So – um, I don't see that happening now at any point. Um, I think yeah, they've I got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> um, you know, with Rendon and Strasburg, they got to kind of make sure they can keep those guys uh, around for a little bit and, and then kind of take their attention towards Soto. But, you know, maybe a year ago, certainly yeah, more than yeah, a year ago. That was the time to do uh, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a ship that has sailed as much as they would love to replicate what Atlanta has done. Man, Once I'd you make that switch to Boris, it's not happening. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I think I'd try. If I were them, I'd give it a shot and say, look what Acuna did. Would you be interested in you like, nah. nope? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe um, him and Ozzy's contract and another 100. Yeah, exactly. Hey, he's going to make more than the two of them probably in the next day, yeah. decade. You know, yep. and, and it's probably, probably not even close. <laughs> right. Isn't that something to think about that? But, you know. We've talked about that before. That's the, you're, you're trading it off for security. You know, if Acuna would have got hurt this year, if Ozzy would have blown out a knee, they're getting yep. that money. So, uh, Britt, since we have you on, before we wrap it up, uh, before we let you go here, I wanted to ask your thoughts on the whole matter with Astros assistant GM Brandon Tobman um, taunting SI Sports Illustrated's Stephanie Epstein and a couple other female reporters during the clubhouse celebration after Houston's ALCS clinching win. Um, as most of our listeners have probably heard by now, they probably think it's a dead horse that's been beaten to a but to a pulp. But I think it's relevant with you here. Um, Tobman shouted, if people don't remember, he said, "Thank we thank God we got a Suna. I'm so fucking glad we got a Suna." And he said it to the, to to Stephanie and a couple other female reporters during the clubhouse celebration. Shouted it several times. I mean, it was pretty blatant what he was doing it. And just for context, uh, Asuna is the closer that the Astros got after he'd been suspended 75 games for violating MLB's domestic violence policy. And he blew the save in the very game when Taubman was crowing obnoxiously about having him on the team. So it was pretty blatant what he was doing. Uh, He was targeting his comments to a group of women reporters, one of whom was wearing a domestic violence awareness bracelet. So my question is, Obviously, you weren't there when it happened because you were covering the Nats, and it was after the Astros' ALCS clincher. But you were there certainly when the shit hit the fan at, on this story just before the on the eve of the World Series, uh, when the Astros initially declined to comment on Stephanie's account, and she wrote about the incident after she wrote about the incident. Then the team pulled the, put that infamous bullshit statement out where they called her story misleading and completely irresponsible. Um, then there was the massive backlash because some other reporters, some male reporters stepped up and said, that's what happened. That's actually what happened. What was, what was it like being in the middle of all this or, or, or even on the periphery of all this, but being a woman reporter, being able to empathize with another reporter and especially another woman reporter, what was going on with you and uh, just watching this? It had to be tough for Stephanie. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny. I actually heard about it first because I had a couple players um, text me about it. Um, wow. They were all over it on Twitter. I heard from not even nationals. I heard from several. Um, I heard from a guy on the Yankees. I heard from uh, a guy in Houston. I heard from a couple guys who I know who texted me, yeah. who you know, as a female, and they were riled up. Uh, and you know, I was like, wait a second. I, I it, the wow. news had just started to come up, and wow. interesting to me how angry the players that I heard from were about this as well. And you know, some one of the guys I've known for forever, and. This is my 12th year covering Major League Baseball, and 
I keep saying to, you know, any, you know, I have a lot of females who reach out or, you know, people ask me questions and I keep saying that, you know, this will be the year that it's not a big deal. And then every year it, it just seems like um, we really don't make any progress forward. I mean, things have gotten a little bit better, sure, but people don't realize, I think, some of the stuff that you have to put up with that's yeah. borderline appropriate as a female. Right. Um, right. And, and certainly this is something that it's not unique. And there were other females there. And Stephanie was the only one who was like, wait a second, you know, I'm tired yeah. of this. Like I'm writing about it. Um, yeah. otherwise we her. would never have known about it. Right. And Tobman would be, would be gainfully employed. And you know, it, it takes kind of people speaking out to be like, wait a second. Like you weren't just yelling about Asuna because he pitched well, he hadn't pitched yeah. well. You weren't being yeah. asked a question. You were, we all know why you were doing it. And you know, I think that, you know, Credit, and I wrote about this earlier because this is not the first issue the Astros have had. I mean, they handled the Justin Verlander not speaking to a free press reporter right, controversy right. terribly. And that was something that had happened to me early on as a beat reporter. It had nothing to do with being female. It was just an issue with a player who didn't want to speak to me. And the Astros botched that whole situation. So yeah, yeah. to me, this has become a, even a bigger issue because of who this organization is. Because the Astros have just shown that while they are great at putting together teams and they are great with computers and analytics, they're pretty terrible yeah. at the human element of this sport. And you know, this kind of stuff, this just can't continue. And, you know, one of the guys who had texted me, obviously teammates with Chapman, uh, oldest Chapman, who also, you know, has a history of, right. of some legal issues as well. And, you know, he said, you know, he's, you know, he's a good pitcher and all, but, you know, it makes guys uneasy. It makes wives uneasy. It makes players uneasy. I mean, I heard from one wow. of the Astros who said, you know, there are photos floating around of what Asuna did to that woman. So um, I think that in baseball, and with the Astros, it was just let's get this guy because you know he's he's cheap and he's available, and we can get him for right, under market exactly. value. And it does they don't realize that it comes with strings attached, and you can't just forget about what happened. And certainly the way that all went down, the way that Stephanie displayed so much class, and how long it took for the Astros to admit that they were wrong, this didn't yeah. even need to be a big deal, as we know. It could have easily been a oh sorry yeah. we messed up, and the fact that they were just unwilling to admit that they were wrong and that the situation was not handled correctly is what made it such a big deal. And I think yeah. as a female, as someone who's always looked at as some kind of minority in that clubhouse, you just want to be yeah. treated the same as anyone else. To be singled out like that, to be yelled at like that, yeah. um, it's just not appropriate. And it's just disheartening in 2019 that we are still dealing with this and we are still talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I know how... Uh, awkward it is for being a reporter, just being a male reporter, especially when you're first starting out and you don't know the players and you always feel kind of like, you know, you're in their zone and some of them let you feel that way and want you to feel that way. I can't even imagine, um, because it's not like a lot of these guys are real progressive with attitudes towards women. I'm, I'm not painting with a broad brush because most of them are, I think. Most of them are good guys. But it doesn't take many to make someone feel uncomfortable. I can't even imagine what it it's like one. for a woman. Yeah, exactly. Eric, you can speak to that. I mean, you guys can't make other players all uh, handle this the way you would want them to handle it, right? I mean, it, it, there, there, no, are some, and there are some Neanderthals I out there. I think right. the hard part is, you know, you, you're already like, like you said, you're already feeling uncomfortable, you know, and it, so it only takes one person to confirm these thoughts you think might be there. But yeah. as a whole, um, you know, and it's it's kind of cool. You got those messages from guys that were so upset about it and, and kind of backing you. Um, there's a lot of real good men in baseball, you know, um, and, and they set the standard high when somebody does something like that. And I, when I heard the story, I was, you know, I, was, I wanted to hear it out, but I figured, you know, the guy's been drinking and he's already yeah. celebrating and everything like yeah. that. And he's got these thoughts in the back of his head. And they just kind of yeah. came to once he got, you know, a little sauced up. And yeah. everybody's yelling everything they want when you're celebrating. And, yeah. and it just kind of pops out. And it's like, whoa. It's like a frat party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, and you know, when you're on that stage and, and you feel so invincible and everything's going your way, um, you there's a tendency in people to kind of, you know, treat people like they're below them, uh, when you're in that clubhouse and on that roster or you got some powerful job. Yeah. Um, when that shit comes out though, I, I think as players, we kind of say, Whoa, you know, we, we still have our boundaries and, and you draw that line and, and I'm yeah. sure there weren't too many guys supporting him. And I look at the series, man, and until they made that right, 
You know, I feel like the baseball gods were <laughs> not going to allow the Astros to do well in this series until they apologized and made it all right. And since they fired the guy, you know, they're 3-0. and But I watched all that develop, and I just thought, man, this dude's done. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I think that's something cool about social media now is yeah. these things like that. Um, yeah. I saw the team uh, was going to just try to brush it under the rug and basically yeah. tell everybody to screw off. And yeah. the shit just doesn't die now. You know, you, you're held accountable. Oh, it's it's gone. You know, yeah. the way the way people were treated 10 years ago when I first came into the games, night and day now, um, the stuff you could say to reporters, yeah. the way you could treat people, even when you went out, you know, the, the the guys, it was like a giant frat and you just you're basically above the law. You know, now um, with all the social media, um, I watched it develop and you just know um, there's too many people. There's too much noise. There's there's. There's a mm-hmm. way for everybody to kind of unite and wait for this thing to get made right. And um, sure enough, man, the, the first statement wasn't good enough. Nobody yeah. dropped it. Uh, and the team got held accountable where they finally just said, all right, the dude's fired. And I think they're still trying to make it right and, and deal with it. And I think she wants an apology. And I think they finally did apologize. Yeah. But um, yeah, that stuff, like it just doesn't fly anymore. And we have these meetings in spring training because um, you're changing a culture. You know, and it's it's going to take time. But we have these meetings in spring training where it's like, hey, it's not okay to treat people like this anymore. So you know, you got to treat everybody with respect. Um, and it's getting through. You know, it's 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 kind of. I, I wish it would happen faster than it has. But at the same time, you're talking about changing an entire culture, and there's a lot of a lot of people that have been acting a, a certain way for a long time, and. You know they they're good at playing the part, but you got to really buy in because if if you're not really bought in, then when you yeah. get drunk, you scream something like that and you get yeah. fired. And good on everybody for for making it right and and you know just not tolerating it. Yeah, well, it's trickling down to Houston. Maybe they'll have that meeting in spring training next year. Um, <laughs> yeah, the owner. Yeah, he eventually sent a letter on this weekend to Stephanie and Sports Illustrated apologizing for how his team handled the entire thing and for retracting their initial asshole statement in which they said uh which was widely and properly condemned for calling her uh integrity into question which was just ridiculous um he said the astros crane said the astros would learn from this experience let's hope that he's right uh and kudos to all the other reporters who stepped up to criticize the team's handling of the issue and wouldn't let it die and to support stephanie and back her account because i know a lot of those guys like mark kerrig well, they're sticking their neck on, out too. And Buster only, yeah, they've taken up they've taken a beating on social media from people to go, okay, let it die, snowflake, and all this bullshit from people from assholes on social on Twitter who think that they know best and that this is just in the past now and push it under the rug. And the, and by by staying on it, they made the Astros finally apologize, retract the statement that their initial statement about it, and you know that's that's what's got to happen, like. Uh, like Britt said, you can't. You got to stay on this stuff and not let people get away with this crap. So I'm glad that they did it, and and uh, you know Mark Carrick could have easily just let it die, but he kept going on it, and uh, and and it was it was it was admirable what happened. But and it would have uh, died ten years ago. Would have just they would have just said, nah, that's not how it went, and that would have been yep, the end of the game. Yep. You know, you could yep, it's your write, word against write an ours. article about it. it's one thing, but when it's constant tweets and yep. constant information coming out and constantly people backing it up, um. I think that's one of the good things about social media, you know, is the accountability it demands. Britt, how tough is it to write something like Stephanie did to make yourself part of the story? I know I hate being part of the story. And most of the reporters I know hate being part of it. We don't want to be a part of the story, but we want, I mean, we want to tell the story, but in that case it had, to, it, it needed to be, it needed to happen. And, and she did it and she's really young uh, and, and really hasn't, you know, established herself like somebody has been around a beat for a long time. So I think that made it even more admirable that she was willing to do it. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what you have to take it as when you read it too, is like, she went out on a huge limb writing that. So for the initial reaction to be like, you made it up as we all know as journalists, (laughs) that's the worst thing you could say. That's how you torpedo a career. Um, first off. And, and, and secondly, you have to realize what a huge risk it is for her to open herself up to make herself part of the story. Everyone yep. else is writing about how the Astros are winning the game, right? It's a winning clubhouse. For right. her to write what she did right. takes some serious guts. And I don't think people yeah. realize that because she's not a buster only. She's not a, a huge name, as you mentioned. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it um, even more important. That's what makes it even more impressive. 
Um, you know, I know Stephanie a little bit and um, always been a, a big fan of her work. But, you know, the Astros could have very easily um, gotten her fired. And yeah. I think that's the most damning thing of this whole process is is the, the, the bullying and the way that this has kind of presented a larger issue, right? And that, um, you know, it's not just about that one guy yelling. It's about, you know, yeah. teams and organizations stepping up and doing the right thing, regardless of if it's uncomfortable or not. Um, and it's about the importance of, of journalism, right? I mean, you're not getting, in an age where people are, are firing people left and right, you're not going to get that kind of thing unless you're in the clubhouse. You're not getting that from the podium. You're not getting that yeah. from from canned yeah. quotes. You're getting that from sending reporters and having them report on things. And for me, this was just a big win for journalism and for our industry in general. Yeah, for not allowing a power tripping bully like Taubman to get away with that entirely unnecessary, antagonistic, <laughs> and demeaning behavior. Uh, you know, like Eric, he described it perfectly, the setting, you know, people get so full of themselves in that setting and they think they can get away with saying anything they want, you know, in, in that post-game setting. I don't think there's another one, a setting quite like that, where people feel like they can do or say whatever they want. And it's all going to be like, oh yeah, wasn't that crazy last night? You know, well, everybody's kind of worshiping you, you know, in the first place. And I, I think it's that, it's that setting without the alcohol. And yeah. then you get everybody drinking around, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's funny because the invincibility thing, right. And, and all your jokes are so funny and it, it, within the 25 guys in the clubhouse, a lot more stuff flies, but you start bringing people that aren't part of that group. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can't expect them to just see the humor in your joke. And sometimes, yeah. you know, right. maybe the joke's not that funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, I think that with that, it was just. You know, I'm feeling on top of the world, and and let me just say this funny thing: I've been mumbling under my breath for six months. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, oh shit! You know, I kind of he's been thinking it. You know, he yeah. Said to those but that's three when it comes him. out, man. You get a little yeah. sauced up. That's that's why it's fun to get sauced up because your real personality comes out. And then if your real personality kind of sucks, you yeah. know, maybe uh, maybe you get fired. <laughs> that ultimately led to his being fired and the team taking a serious PR hit. I mean, they can afford to take a hit. I'm sure they, they've, they, you know, they're going to win another world series probably, or maybe, but you know, still that's just, uh, uh, they're, they've been brought down a peg or two and they've had a lot of people pulling for the Nats and against the Astros who otherwise wouldn't have given a shit. So, um, and reporters stepping up and rallying around, you know, one of their own, I just thought it showed how far, you know, women reporters have come in our business, but also just how far they have to go still to be treated equally by the likes of Taubman and Astros officials who uh, initially approved or signed off on that shameful way the team handled the incident uh, when they called her out and her question her professionalism and integrity. But uh, as a side note, Britt, Eric and I were wondering if that incident might have been different had you been one of those reporters standing there with Stephanie. Because I don't know if our, uh, I'm sure they don't, our, our audience doesn't know you, but Britt is a former Michigan State swimmer and now a competitive power lifter. Yes, <laughs> a power lifter. I'm pretty sure she works out a lot harder than Taubman that could probably win an arm wrestling contest against him or a hitting contest, judging from the, the cuts I saw you taking in the video your boyfriend took of you two on a date <laughs> that you two took to the, this summer to a batting cage in Baltimore. I don't know of many couples that take uh, dates to batting cages, but you guys yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, we are weird. Um, <laughs> my fiancé now, so clearly he enjoys the batting cages. Oh, well, there uh. you go, there you go. Uh, yeah, so, right? I could have beat him up easily. Uh. You think you could whoop his ass? <laughs> Would you have whooped his ass? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely oh, could have. Perfect. That's the way we wanted to hear there. All right. Well, unfortunately, Tobin is no longer around to, for, to put the gauntlet down and put the challenge of uh, either arm wrestling or a batting cage. So we'll just let it, we'll just uh, uh, assume that you are correct because I definitely would put my money on Brit in any strength contest against Tobin. So, all right. Hey, listen, Britt, thanks so much for taking an hour out of your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're real busy and uh, get out to the ballpark and, and enjoy those this last game or two of the World Series. We really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, no problem, guys. Have a have a good rest of your night, and, and hopefully we'll get some good baseball here tonight and maybe tomorrow. Uh, definitely. All right, awesome. thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks I'll for see coming. you soon. All right. Uh, all right, Eric. Let's uh, – 
let's just your thoughts so far before we wrap this thing up. Your thoughts so far on the World Series? Uh, that that was great, by the way, having Brent, wasn't it? And that was awesome. Where she said at the end she could have beat him up. She got whoop his ass. <laughs> I was hoping she wouldn't go. Oh, and no, I'm not comfortable. That was great. Uh, and she would too, dude. She would kick his ass. But uh, your thoughts on the World Series so far, and what th- you think is going to happen in Game Six and possibly Seven? Now that this thing shifted back to Houston and with Scherzer's situation and all that. I've been shocked that home team hasn't won a game. Um, <laughs> it's been ridiculous. I don't know what the Stupid. odds are on that, but that'd be a pretty good payout on a bet. Yeah, uh, like, like you she know, said, it never happened before. I swear, man. I mean, this is how baseball minds work, but I was watching this series develop, and I was like, man, the Astros aren't going to win a game till they till they apologize or make this thing right. You know, this, this, <laughs> I know. I, it's so, so stupid. Many people but were thinking of that. I believe in the baseball gods, man. I mean, I wouldn't even litter when I played baseball because I was afraid of the baseball gods. You know, you just try to do everything. <laughs> Chipper always right talked about the baseball gods. Uh, we believe it because you know. I think it's. I think it's. <laughs> Freddie does you know, too. It, there's so much out of your control in baseball that you just. You know, you got to have some higher power you believe in is controlling it all. Otherwise, yeah. it's just this random event, and that yeah. that kind of adds stress. You know, but um, <laughs> they apologized and look at them; they're three and zero. It's like I, religion. I think, huh? You got to you got to believe in something. Otherwise, we got to believe in something, or we're just roaming around <laughs> aimlessly. Yes, bags of water covered in skin, just waiting for our time to end. Um, yeah, you got to believe in something, uh, but. You know, I've been. I think Juan Soto's been unbelievable. I, I just not not even. You know, I don't know what numbers he's putting up, but just yeah, some of the swings tremendous. he's putting yeah. on balls. Um, I can't believe how good a hitter man. he is. The way he carries yeah. himself, how confident he, that his at bats, that yeah. bats this guy has at twenty twenty one yeah. years old is just insane. Um, and then you know, I hope Strasburg does what he's been doing because, like we talked about, he's. He's stepping up to put himself in a different category this postseason. Uh, yeah, and he's, and, he's and shaking for, a lot of that narrative about him. Absolutely, and for the Braves' perspective, the only chance that he's leaving Washington is you know him being so good right now that he can opt out of that contract. <laughs> yeah, so, so you got to root for him if you're yeah, know, a Braves, if you're fan, a Braves fan. Yeah, well, he could wind up in L.A. or something out of the way, give you a better chance at the division next year. Man, um, how but, about that? When you get into bed with like Rizzo has with Boris on those three main guys, oof, Rendon, Soto, and uh, and Strasburg, yeah, Soto, forget it. I mean, that, they they could have done it early in the year, maybe, but I doubt it. That Boris would have even entertained it then because he's just not. Yeah, there's like no if, way he would have entertained if, a deal like Acuna got. No if way. If Boris had a car dealership, he'd have cars that were brand new from 2014. He won't give you a dollar <laughs> off on. You know, it's he's driving a That's hard perfect. bargain. That's right? perfect. He's great, uh, man. He's great at what he does. No, you know? He's great at he's, what he does. Um, he is great. This market, though, you know, this market's different. And I don't know if he knows 100% how to play And it has cost a couple yet. of his clients. Yeah. It's he's, I think he's adjusting to it and getting he's a handle adjusting. on it. Like Michael Stockas keeps getting one-year deals. And he should he have gotten at least a three-year. Yes, he ain't going but, down. Uh, he's going down swinging, though. You know, I mean, he's trying to change the system, not let it change uh, to where it's. But it's inevitable where it's gone. It's gone there in the last couple of years, and he's unwilling to just accept it. Yeah, and I'm just man. I'm just so interested. I really want the Nationals to win tonight because I really want to see how this Scherzer thing plays out I in know. Game Seven. I just I don't think it's possible for him to pitch more than an inning, the way he was moving and and the way he was looking, but. I just want to see what happens, man. And, and Game Seven's yeah. awesome, anyway. So I really yeah. hope that the uh, the Nationals pull it off tonight. Can you Game Seven in that place with that roof closed? Do you know how loud it's going to be? Jeez. Oh man, yeah, that'll be that'll be crazy. Oh, I don't have the, the roof, roof closed because it's I mean, so much louder there for the sound. I think yeah. okay, that's why. Yeah, they're keeping it closed because it's so loud there. Yeah, it's unfair yeah. because the Braves were there for a division series when the weather was beautiful out. I remember this. And the Astros kept the roof closed, and the Braves complained, and they only did it because of noise. So that's when MLB took over these decisions. And I thought that was going to be those decisions were going to be made going forward, always with the weather in mind, and not allow them to do this. But I don't know what happened with that. But uh, they clearly have kept it shut. Uh, you know, they could probably claim humidity or something. Yeah. I don't know. They, yeah. they figure figure out a way. And it's maybe MLB wants it loud too. I mean, that's that's yeah. Great. On TV, it looks a lot better. That environment though is with the roof open. It is so loud with the roof it, closed in Houston compared yeah, to Oakland. Yeah, you think you got to leave it shut. Yeah, if you're them. Yeah, you've gone this far. You're not going to open it for game seven or six. No. So, 
Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, I I can't see the visiting team's win streak continuing. I cannot see, and certainly not for two games. Uh, no I can't. I cannot imagine the Nats winning four straight games in Houston in a World Series. I just can't see it. Uh, then again, I couldn't imagine the Nats being here a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> wild card teams, man. Wild card teams yep. have some magic. You know, I think playing playing like it's their last game before the playoffs even start. Uh, yeah. Wildcard teams, man, This you let them in, they can do some damage. And then with that rotation, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Well, a week from now, we're going to know if the Braves decide to pick up any of the one-year options they have on Julio Tehran, Nick Marcakis, Tyler Flowers. Uh, they're not picking it up on Billy Hamilton. That's part of the deal already. Um, while it's possible they could pass on all those guys, I have a feeling they'll pick up one or even two of those options, even if it's with trading a guy in mind now or in the spring. Who knows? But they're all pretty reasonable options. Those $6 million for Flowers might be a bit much if he's not going to be your primary catcher, and I certainly don't think he's going to be the primary catcher. So that's a $2 million buyout, you know? So, yeah. I remember we'll uh, talking to Bruce Mano one year. Yeah, for a backup catcher, I remember talking to him, and he said there's just like this rotisserie of backup catchers every year that's just yep. available. You know, it's yep. they're just they're just rotating around, and it, you just pitch <laughs> one for two million. You know, there's just there's <laughs> like this endless supply. So I don't know. I mean, that might be a that might be a little steep for a backup, but B Mac retiring might have put six mil in his pocket. Who knows, man? There's there's a couple other guys out there. And and the thing is, when everybody's trying to pre- predict, you know, they're looking at who's for free agents and all that. Alex Andopoulos is, is leaves no stone unturned. And there are guys available that we don't even know are available or that maybe their teams don't know are available yet, but they will make them available. So it well, ain't going to surprise me at all. If you don't pick it up, though, you don't have a catcher, right? Exactly. And that's why Alex never gets caught with his pants down as far as that's concerned. And I could right. see him doing it just to cover themselves and then moving them in the spring if they need to, even if they eat a little bit of it, you know, if they have to. But, yes, I don't see them not going, uh, you know, not picking it up and not having a catcher. So Yeah, if you don't pick it up, you got to sign two guys. So you're – Yeah, but you, you have might no be able leverage to get two guys off that uh, – you might be able to get two of them for two or three apiece and just kind of do the platoon or something creative. But yeah, I don't know, I, I man. It would be interesting to see. One. I can yeah, see him trading for, sure. for one. One we don't even know is available yet, so – Yep. But well, we'll be talking again Tuesday or or not. Well, you'll be in Hawaii, so we'll we'll decide whether you're, you you'll decide whether we're going to talk or not. But uh, uh, <laughs> I'll take a I have a, or I, something. Uh, we're going to get Dale Murphy on here real soon. Maybe next, probably next Tuesday. So you, you'll need to join just for that conversation. That'll be cool having Murph on. Love Murph. All right. Well, that's cool. been good. Uh, it was great having Britt here, and uh, that was a cool conversation. So enjoy the World Series, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next Tuesday. All right? Sounds and this good. this is 755, and we are out, and it is real. Later. Yeah.